Welcome, everybody, to episode 142 of the Grave Plot Podcast. I am Skeletoni. I'm Taylor of Terror. And uh, we are here with another episode for that ass. What's good, baby? Um, yeah, today is our salute to clowns. <laughs> Again. Yeah, part two. Because we are going to be talking about it, chapter two. And also... Gags, why you bro fight me? <laughs> um, but we'll get into that later. Uh, how's it going, Taylor? It's going pretty good. Yeah, it's going right, right. Oh, yeah. You were sick earlier. I was. I'm still kind of fighting it. I'm, I'm glad I'm here in the same room with you. Yeah, I'm trying to uh, like cough and sneeze in your direction as much as possible. You know, as you do. Yeah. I know you want this. <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> um, cool. What's new? Was it yet? Well, I mean, you know, Grey Plot Film Fest is still still rolling along. That it is. That it is. Uh, to... We've gotten some more uh, more submissions. Yeah, I think we probably what doubled since last time, right? Probably close to it. Yeah. yeah. So that's exciting. Yeah, getting in some more internationals, which is good. I know we got a couple from Italy. Nice. Nice. I mean, Canada, it's, it's technically international. <laughs> um, yeah, it's exciting. Um, we're going to get our Indiegogo going, going. <laughs> soon. Um, uh, we've got the... I think so we, warm up your wallets, folks. Yeah. Give generously. Bring money. <laughs> um. But yeah, we'll de- we'll definitely need your help um, to finance this thing. Good news is that the it should be less this year since we already have some of the stuff. Right, we got we got stuff. We don't need more stuff. We just need other stuff. Yeah, which I guess in effect is more stuff. <laughs> but you get my meaning. But some stuff that we needed last year, we don't need now. Yeah, we got that stuff already. Yeah. Do you keep hearing that? I did. I did hear that. And now it's gone. I need to, I need that to not happen. We have very nice chords here. That should not be happening. <sighs> anyway, um, cool. Yeah, I mean, if you're a filmmaker out there and you got a, a short horror film that you want to submit, head over to graveplotfilmfest.com. We are still accepting submissions uh, through next month, so... Make sure you you get them in and you know have it shown in a theater full of horror fans. Yeah, get them in hard. Yeah, but yeah, hard. Put, put it in. Uh, so another big exciting thing, big huge sweaty exciting thing going big, on. Throbbing exciting. <laughs> uh, for for your boys over at the Grave Plot Podcast, is we're going down to L.A. 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 Next month, um, and we gonna run that bitch. <laughs> Probably not. No, we're gonna be like the least impressive thing in in Los Angeles. Yeah, everyone will see us taking selfies. I'll be like, who the fuck are those guys? <laughs> they must be from out of town. <laughs> like, no, I grew up here. I swear, <laughs> I'm from out of town. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> um, but no, it's gonna be an exciting time because you know we're going down in uh, kind of middle to late-ish October. 
Uh, so, you know, there are a lot of places in this country you can go to have a good time around Halloween, and one of them is definitely the Los Angeles area. Um, we're going to hit up Disneyland, because what's cuter than a couple of 30-somethings, <laughs> two 30-year-old two men, or 30-something-year-old men uh, going to Disneyland together? Not much. <laughs> and we don't even have uh, the excuse of being a couple. Nope. We're just man children. <laughs> yep. We're going to hit up the Oogie Boogie Bash. Right. We're going to get so drunk at Disneyland. <laughs> um, and, uh, oh, so um, the I love, or I, I like scary movies uh, experience is doing another run down there. And it just so happens to be happening while we're down there. So hey. that's going to be cool. We're checking that out. Um we're also going to check out Halloween Horror Nights at right. Universal. Yes, sir. Going to try and hit up Trejo's Tacos while we're down there. Get some tacos. Some tacos, tacos, tacos. Tacos, tacos, tacos. Venice Beast Tacos. Um, get some hiking in. You ain't had tacos until you had tacos in L.A. Oh, uh, I know. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to be fun. We're going to have a wild time. You'll be able to follow our exploits on Twitter with the hashtag GPP takes LA. Yeah. And we'll be doing some other stuff and yeah, we're, we're definitely going to be documenting all of it. Yep. Even, even while Taylor's sleeping. Yep. <laughs> I'm going to take pictures of Taylor sleeping. <laughs> That's what everyone wants to see anyways. Um, cool. Do these fire trucks just wait till we start recording? I, I swear they do. Um, but then they must like they must have bugged your apartment because we don't even have the video going right now. That's true. Um, I thought the whole talking about the, going to LA would be much more exciting, but <laughs> talking about it isn't as, as exciting as actually doing it. Yeah, but it'll be exciting. I swear. But we're gonna do it. We're doing it so hard. <laughs> uh, cool. Anything else new, Taylor, that you want to talk about? I don't think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have anything. Well, then. I, f- I feel like I usually have something that I can talk about. Yeah. I just, I just don't. Uh, should we just jump right into it, then? Fuck it. <laughs> let's, uh, let's do some horror business. But before we do horror business, we should thank our grave diggers. Our grave diggers reside over on Patreon, where they like to throw us some change every month to help us keep this shit show going. Um, Pay for our trips to LA? No, that's not. Part of me wondered if we could like <laughs> legitimately get away with that. Since no. we will be doing a lot of stuff for the show while we're down there. I mean, not directly for the show but it'll be it'll be content that yeah so i was like could we could we legitimately pay for like our halloween horror night tickets <laughs> with our with our kitty um but no we didn't no because we're honest men that's out of pocket most of the time <laughs> anyway 
but they do help us, um, you know, pay for our internet or not our internet. <laughs> Oops, Freudian slip. <laughs> they do help us pay for our website and our hosting fees and all that shit. And you know, if we ever have any broken down equipment, that definitely helps. Um, and those lovely people that help us out every month are Kevin Nesgoda, Jordan Morrison, Kevin Trent, Joshua Hodges, Carlos Rodella, The Horror Addicts, Max Zaleski, and Aaron Meyer. Thank you so much, guys, for all of your help. Um, it uh, really does go a long way to keeping us bringing you this quality <laughs> content uh, multiple times a month. Sometimes. Sometimes there's like three shows in a month. Yeah. Not often, but sometimes. Sometimes. And then there's Patreon, which you're going to talk about. Oh, right now? Yeah, do it right now. All right. Uh, if, you, <laughs> if you want to become a grave digger, head over to patreon.com slash graveplotpodcast. For as little as $1, you can get exclusive content like video reviews of movies chosen by the grave diggers. Up to uh, $100, which will get you a tattoo of a fat unicorn right on my ass. I don't know why you don't have a unicorn on your ass yet. Nobody's giving me the money. You'd think that there would be more people in this world that cared about us. <laughs> You'd think there would be more people that would say, you know what? Taylor does not have a unicorn on his ass, and that is a fucking travesty. You'd think. But you'd be wrong. <laughs> I would like. Have, have you told your mom? She likes to give you money. <laughs> Uh, she knows. She knows. Uh, also, right now over at Patreon, we, uh, you know, every October we have our October Rama, where each week is a different theme. We usually let the Patreon patrons uh, pick one week. So that's, that's going on right now over at Patreon. So sign up and tell us what, uh, what subgenre of horror you'd like to hear us cover. Yeah, what we're looking for is things like, you know, what we've done in the past. Vampire movies. Werewolf movies. Um, what else have we done? Uh, uh, zombies, slashers. Um, you know, maybe even some of the things we haven't done are like animals or Sasquatch. You know, gee, he, I wonder who brought that. You know, for. he's gonna say it. Oh, he hasn't done it yet. No, I was actually. He left a comment. I was like, oh, he didn't say Sasquatch. Interesting. But now he'll hear this and he'll do it. Um, but yeah, we actually had a suggestion. That was like, um, it was more of a, a, a regional style rather than a theme or, or a subgenre. Yeah. Which isn't really what we're looking for. So, I mean, what we're looking for is uh, a, a common theme in the plot of the movie. Mm -hmm. uh, so, yeah. If you are one of our patrons or a wannabe patron, uh, head over to patreon.com slash great podcast and uh throw down throw throw your money on the barrel head as it were and Annie up and uh give us your suggestions so do i'm excited for octomorama yeah as usual it'll be our six year anniversary that's crazy so many years this is the most we've ever committed to anything ever right <laughs> i haven't even been married this long <laughs> Um, yeah, that's, uh, I mean, it's, it's going to be a long one too. We've got five weeks of October on this yeah. year. 
We usually only have four, but it's going to be five this year. And plus, we're going to be on vacation during part of it, so that's going to be interesting. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. Cool. So, on to horror business. <laughs> yeah. Starting out in some real-world horror. Um, <laughs> you know how much the Catholic Church loves its people. And, you know, they only want the best for them. <laughs> sure. So, I mean, when an exorcist comes into your Catholic private school and says, hey, you should get rid of all the Harry Potter books in your library. I mean, you do it because you're Catholic. Um, well, yeah. I mean, they're the only ones that still believe in exorcisms, right? Well, I think there's a, um, exorcism rites across most religions. But, you know. I think probably because of things like The Exorcist, um, I think the the Catholic element of it, or you know, even just maybe the Christian element of it in general, is a little more prominent and well known. Yeah, because it's been more um, sensationalized, I guess. Sure. Um, but uh, yeah, so a school in Nashville were advised by exorcists, okay, so several exorcists, to ban the Harry Potter books over over that. (laughs) Eat that. (laughs) Um, uh, They were urged to ban the Harry Potter books over the fears that the popular children's novels could be used to summon spirits. What? Jesus fucking Christ. That's, Uh, uh, That's silly. That's poppycock is what that is. <laughs> that is malarkey. <laughs> uh, reverend, reverend. Since when did the Catholic Church have reverends? That was... My, my mouth wasn't working when I said that. <laughs> Since when does the Catholic Church have reverends? That's what I meant to say. Um, reverend Dan Rehill uh, contacted the exorcists in Rome and, and the U.S. who recommended removing the fantasy novels from St. Edward's Catholic Schools Library in Tennessee. Um, the curses and spells used in the books are actual curses and spells. No. Not, no, they are not. not true at all. <laughs> that is a fallacy. Um, is that a gala I see? No, it's just a fallacy. Um... Uh, which, uh, which, when read by a human being, risk conjuring evil spirits into the nope. presence of of the <clears throat> person reading the text. No, the reverend said in an email obtained by local media. Hogwash! This is absolute nonsense, and they should be fucking ashamed of themselves. How can grown adults believe in such absolute bullshit? <laughs> I'm pretty sure that J.K. Rowling has said that the spells are made up Latin. I, I believe it, yeah. <laughs> I've, I've never read a single book. I've watched probably a cumulative hour of the entire film series. Um, so I know... I think only- it's possible I've seen the entire film series, but not in any kind of sequential order. Like, even, like, the movie. I've seen, like, half hour here, half hour there. Sure, yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, it's like I've I've been been in the room when it's been on, but like I've been paying attention to yeah, something else. Basically, me too. Um, 
yeah, so I basically only know what my wife has told me. Um, and from just from that, I know that none of it is based in any kind of uh, fact. <laughs> I mean, so they say that the curses and spells are actual curses and spells, which when read by a human being, risk conjuring evil spirits into the presence of the person. You know how I know that's not true? Nothing has ever happened to Daniel Radcliffe. <laughs> not once. Not one thing. And he's probably said all of them. Yeah, many, many times. Because he's the Harry Potter. Yeah. He's the Potts. <laughs> the old H-Pot. <laughs> um, <clears throat> he's the fucking guy, man. <laughs> They're his movies. Also, nothing has ever happened to Rupert Grint, which is just a great fucking name. Is it? <laughs> yeah. It's a great name when somebody else is named that. Well, yeah, I wouldn't want to be named Rupert. Anyway. <laughs> well, yeah, I wouldn't want that. That's a terrible name. <laughs> that's one of the things where people go, oh, that's Rupert Grant. You're like, that's the character's name? <laughs> it totally sounds like a Harry Potter name. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I just, like, I, I'm going back to, like, how, a, like, grown adults can believe this. <laughs> Like, maybe some off-the-wall dipshit was just like, hey, these things are real spells, and they can cause real trouble. I'm like, I, I don't know how any other adult could believe that. Like, maybe children could, because they're gullible. Like, you, you have to be a priest or a reverend or an exorcist or something to say that and not get chased out of the room with a broom. I sure, like yeah. if I just went into the library and started being like, Harry Potter books have real spells that conjure spirits. He'd be like, get out of here, crazy. <laughs> They'd call the cops. Yeah. I mean, this is just like an example of how historically damaging religion or like, like religious. I have my own opinions about religion in general. Jesus Christ. Seriously, this only happens when we record. They're like, go now, go. That'll show them. It's it's literally across the street. Um, okay. Anyway, so I, like, I have my own opinions <clears throat> about religion, which I won't get into now, but religious zealots. Uh, like, it's 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 religion and the, the the blind faith in it that allows them to have power over people, and I just, I can't understand it. Yeah, I'm with you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Yeah, and just people like this. I'm like, oh, fucking Harry Potter, man. He'll, he'll possess you, man. <laughs> Harry Potter will possess you. Because apparently this reverend is uh, Tommy Chong. Tommy Chong. <laughs> <laughs> How awesome would that be? We've seen <laughs> Cheech Marin play a priest. That's true. <laughs> um, yep. So what what do you think? I think it's balderdash. <laughs> how, how many more words can we come up with for nonsense? <laughs> I, I think I've used all the ones. I was going to say I think I've reached one of them. Anyway, I think, uh, I think they're being bamboozled. Yep, hoodwinked. Uh, fuck, I can't think of anything. <laughs> point is it's like even though i don't necessarily agree with it 
I think you should probably just read Harry Potter books just to stick it to stick it to the man. <laughs> That'll show him. <laughs> just stick it. Stick it to him. Yeah. Yeah. Stick it hard. Alright, so as we all know, the sequel to Halloween 2016, 18 uh, is coming out next year, and it's unfortunately called Halloween Kills. Because apparently they couldn't pay anybody enough to come up with a good name. <laughs> it's a terrible name. Doesn't it, what does that mean? It's so dumb. And like the, the next one is even worse. <laughs> Halloween ends. Uh, there, God damn it. <laughs> there was a rumor... At one point, that Tommy Doyle was going to be returning, uh, and that Paul Rudd was being sought to reprise his role. Well, half of that is true. Tommy Doyle will return, but he'll be played by none other than Anthony Michael Hall of Weird Science and Breakfast Club fame. And uh, uh, Vacation. Yeah. Old Rusty himself. <laughs> Why? Could they just not get Paul Rudd? Yeah, because he's busy doing Ghostbusters. Oh, yeah. I thought he was just going to be like, did you guys see The Curse of Michael Myers? <laughs> did you see it? <laughs> and they're like, no. It's like, yeah, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> uh, I mean, for those of you who don't remember, Tommy Doyle was uh, the, the little boy that um, Tommy Blum. <laughs> they grew up to become Tommy Blum. Uh, no, he was the little boy that Laurie was babysitting. Played by Brian Andrews in the original. Not that that matters because he was a child. So, not to step on your toes here, but coming back as uh, Lindsay Wallace is Kylie Richards, who played. Uh, is it Kylie or Kyle? I think it's just Kyle. That's a weird name for a woman. I mean, Child's Play. What? Child's Play, the character was Kyle. The blonde girl. Oh, Child's Play 2? Yeah. 2? <laughs> I was going to say 3, but no, it's, it was 2. Well, I guess she was in 3, too. As as well, I mean. Yeah, her name was Kyle. Was it? Kyle. Kyle? I haven't seen that one forever. So, um, Okay, well, maybe it is Kyle. I don't fucking know. Um... But she's coming back to play Lindsay Wallace. So it's weird that they didn't get Brian Andrews back. Maybe he stopped acting. Maybe. It's, it's, it's possible. <clears throat> yeah, Kyle Richards, who played uh, Tommy Doyle's uh, neighbor and girlfriend. <laughs> They're boyfriend and boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> his, you know, his little g- girlfriend, Lindsay Wallace, uh, Apparently these days, Kyle Richards is on The Real Housewives of Beverly Hills, and you also probably know her as being Paris Hilton's aunt. Nope. (laughs) You want to know why? Because you don't give a shit about what happens in Paris Hilton's life? Yes. Or Beverly Hills. (laughs) Same. (laughs) Same Samesies. Producer Maleka Cod said, we couldn't be happier and are so excited that Kyle is coming back to her Halloween roots. 
Neat. Yeah. Good for her. <laughs> sure. That's something we need to do. Well, something we need to do while we're down there. We got to go check out the, the Myers house. Mm, yes. In Pasadena, California. I take pictures behind the bush. Quite. Yes. Mm. Indeed. Uh, another youngster from the original movies who will be returning in Halloween Kills is Lonnie Elam, who was the little bully that made Tommy Doyle smash his own pumpkin. Probably remember that. Maybe he gets killed. He was mentioned in Halloween 2018 uh, as the father of Cameron, which was uh, the, the boyfriend who just turned out to be an asshole. Oh, I wonder where he got it from. <laughs> uh, Lonnie Elam is going to be played by Robert Longstreet, who I'm not really familiar with. Do you know Robert Longstreet, Tony? Nope. Well, what good are you? Not by name, at least. Uh, well, he was in, uh, well, I guess he's in Dr. Sleep, apparently, coming up. Well, how about that? How about that? Why did this take me to the mobile site? A little weird. Um, he was in Ping Pong Summer. Well, when you have credentials like that. Oh, and he was on Dawson's Creek. <laughs> You're the Dawson. As Best Buy employee. <laughs> Is this show that old? Or... Recent, I mean? 2001. Is Best Buy that old? <laughs> Apparently. Wow. 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 Uh, so Halloween Kills will be coming out October 16th, 2020. That's next year. Yeah, it is. And all the kids are all grown up, and they're all going to be in it. That's neat. For some reason. Because why not? Yeah. Fuck it. Nostalgia reasons. Are they older than Judy Greer? They must be. I would think so. I mean, they'd have to be probably. Well, because Lori was what, like 16? Yeah. Ish. And they must have been nine? Around there, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, unless Lori was pregnant at the time. I don't think she was. Then they, they must be older. I wonder how much older, like, Michael Anthony Hall is. Than Judy Greer? Yeah. Well, let's find out. Didn't we do the math and figure that. Jamie Lee Curtis is just barely old enough to be Judy Greer's mom. Yeah. Anthony Michael Hall is 51. Okay. Judy Greer's got to be in her mid-40s. 44. So this makes no sense. <laughs> unless, unless like, uh, fucking, what's her face? Lori got knocked up, like, right after the events of Halloween. Yeah, Jamie Lee Curtis is 60. So I mean, I don't remember her being pregnant in Halloween two. Well, Halloween two is not a thing. Oh uh, yeah, it doesn't exist anymore. Nope, it does in our hearts. Idiot, it does in our hearts, Taylor. Yeah, sure. It'll go on and on and on. Celine Dion. Don't touch me. <laughs> does this make you excited for Halloween Kills? No. <laughs> I wasn't excited to begin with. Yeah. And this doesn't help because I don't care. It's it's hard for me to get excited about Halloween because I don't have a soft spot for it like a lot of people do. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, if, if, if this was news about um, uh, Friday the 13th or Nightmare on Elm Street, then yeah, I'd probably be a little excited. 
it's Halloween. I was never really a big Halloween fan. Like I've I've said more times than I can count. So it's just kind of like whatever. See, I was I was a big Michael Myers fan. I didn't like the the second half of the series. Um, but I did always like Michael Myers as a killer. And you know, I thought the the reboot or whatever the hell it was, the new sequel thing, I thought it was fine. It, yeah, it didn't it didn't like you know tug at my heartstrings or anything. Where I was just like, oh my god, Halloween is back. Yeah, it was just kind of like, oh yeah, all right, it's a new Halloween. A lot. I mean, a lot of people were so hype about that movie. I think it, a lot of it had to do with the fact that people wanted so badly to like it. That even after they saw it and saw that it was actually kind of a mediocre movie, they were still so hype about it because they wanted it to be so good. Yeah. Um, and if you have a problem with that, then fucking fight me. Because <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I see through your bullshit, sir. I think for me, it was like the the legacy of Halloween was already so tarnished by four, five, six, H2O. H2O wasn't bad, but... Um, but fucking resurrection. Oh my God. That was duty. Um, so I was just like, yeah, well, you know, you got to convince me. And I, th- I think part of it is that we were so close to it, like following the story the whole way when they were like, oh yeah, we're not going to do any of the sequels. Those don't exist anymore. And I was like, well, that's fucking stupid. It's like, what? Yeah. And it's like, so I have to like mentally prepare myself to go into this movie to be like, oh yeah, all the events of two, four, five, six, seven, and eight didn't exist didn't happen yeah like i remember when they first announced it they weren't really clear on what they weren't going to include because well, yeah, first it was just going to be one and two that was like i don't know if they ever explicitly said that or if that was just speculation that was kind of the impression i got um from from the announcements and the news being released about it but yeah when they said it's like anything post the original halloween is now gone it's like eh. but <laughs> oh, oh and we're changing the end right yeah that was like the more stuff came out i was just like uh you're just you're just fucking up the whole timeline yeah and just, you're gonna make it really hard for people to understand what's going on like, fucking blumhouse <laughs> speaking of blumhouse did you see the black christmas trailer nope it's uh it, i saw the poster and i went what the fuck is this yeah, it looks like maybe like it could be like a halfway decent slasher movie, but uh, I'll tell you what it doesn't look like. Black Christmas? <laughs> That's the one. <laughs> like, seriously, I was telling you this before. I, th- I feel like for like the, the writer or writers, all they did was like write on a piece of paper, college, Christmas, killer, and just tacked it on the wall. It's like, all right, these are the things I need to stick to. And like pretty much everything else was different. Like I saw the poster and it's all these girls holding weapons and they're like covered in blood. And the tagline is slay girls. Yeah. And I'm like, wait, is this a revenge film? Because that's not what Black Christmas is. I I think I think it is. That's not what Black Christmas is. Like the trailer appears to give away the entire movie. Like even the twist ending. (laughs) Good. Yeah. So, I mean, like, I'll talk about it now because I don't care. I don't think any, any of you listening should see it. So, um, spoilers ahead <laughs> if you haven't seen the trailer. It looks like that there's this fraternity on campus 
who is like like in not not ancient but like a really old fraternity and they've kind of got like big heads about it and so they have like kind of developed this kind of um um fraternal like sub organization or not organization like almost like a cult but it looks like they are just going like out skull and bones or something kind of yeah but it's like it looks like they like go out and terrorize and kill people and they seem to target this for uh, this sorority for whatever reason and then like the girls start fighting back and that seriously is what the movie like i'm pretty sure from beginning to end that's kind of what the movie is um it, the only part of what you just said that sounds like black christmas is the word fraternity or sorority yeah and it's yeah uh, and it's christmas time <laughs> which i feel like has nothing to do with the original well actually i guess the whole concept of it being christmas was pretty inconsequential to the original so that's i true. guess that's not fair to hold hold it over their heads on this one but the fact that this has almost n- at least it appears that it has nothing to do with the original movie it's like it's this is like a prime example of cashing in on a name. Yep, just buying up a property. So, and it doesn't really look good either. It, it played it when I was watching it last night, and um, I leaned oh, over to my I, dad. I didn't get that. Oh, really? Yeah. I leaned over to my dad. I'm like, Did you, "Have you seen this?" No. After it plays, like that looks pretty good. I'm like, oh, dad. <laughs> Baby, no. Um, anyway. Halloween. <laughs> Halloween kills, October 16, 2020. Way up north in a house that's new. There were four of us, big feet and you. From your ankle up, I'd say you sure sweet. I'm that down, you just too much feet. Oh, your feet's too big. Don't want you cause your feet's too big. So Max Brooks, the author of the Survival Guide to the Zombie Apocalypse, Zombie Survival Guide. It's just called just, Zombie okay. Survival. Zombie Survival Guide and World War Z is coming back with a new book. Has he written anything since then? He did some comics. Yeah, he had the uh, Zombie Survival Guide confirmed attacks comic. Right. But other than that, I don't believe so. Okay. Well, he's coming back with a brand new book. Which seems to be a change of theme for him. Yeah. Um, called De-Evolution, a first-hand account of the Rainier Sasquatch Massacre. So there's that. I know somebody who's going to be buying this. I'll bet. Uh, let's see. The plot is as follows. The ash and chaos from Mount Rainier's eruption. Oh, Jesus Christ, if that happened. Fuck. Mount Rainier, for for you uh, outside of Washington State, is one of our uh, well-known mountains. <coughs> you can see it from pretty much anywhere in the Seattle area um, on a clear day. Yep. Which we don't get many of, but it's true. It's it's uh, it's earned one of those like just intolerable phrases that the locals use, like "Oh, the mountains out today." Taylor, did you see the mountains out today? No. Me neither. It's probably not. It's kind of overcast today. Anyway, um, the ash and chaos from Mount Rainier's eruption swirled and finally settled. Uh, the story of the Green Loop Massacre has passed unnoticed, unexamined until now. 
But the journals of resident Kate Holland, recovered from the town's bloody wreckage, capture a tale too harrowing and too earth-shattering in its implications to be forgotten. <clears throat> so it sounds like similar to World War Z. Yeah, kind of a um, uh, collection of um, thoughts from people who experienced the events. Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a, f- a fictional story presented as if it was like a, a firsthand account of something that actually happened. Right. Um, so you part survival narrative, part bloody horror tale, part scientific journey into the boundaries between truth and fiction. This is a Bigfoot story as only Max Brooks could chronicle it. And none like you've ever read before. I mean, it kind of sounds like world war Z, but I mean, <laughs> as far as Bigfoot stories, no, probably not. Um, seven years ago, it was announced that, uh, Lost and Child's Play 3 director Jack Bender would be taking the helm of a movie called De Evolution, which is scripted by David Leslie Johnson, who wrote The Orphan and Conjuring 2. So not a great resume. Um, <laughs> and based on an idea by Brooks. I mean, is that implying that it was the same movie or the same thing? Yeah, I think like they wanted to make this into a movie and then it failed so now he just made it into a book instead like freddy versus jason versus ash basically yeah um looks like this will be published um on may 12th of 2020 it is available for pre-order now on amazon so there's that what do you think taylor i mean could be cool i was a big fan of his first two books yeah this solid stuff um I mean, Zombie Survival Guide is, like, not something you can just, like, sit and read cover to cover. It's not that kind of book. No, it doesn't really have a narrative. It's it's written like a survival guide. Yeah. Um, But World War Z, I actually didn't listen, or I didn't read the book. I listened to the audio book. Hey, me too. Really? With Alan Alda? Yeah. And I think uh, Mark Hamill was in there. And um, uh, the the Jesus John Turturro? Yeah. <laughs> I don't remember him, but sure. Um, yeah, it was one of like the better audio books I've listened to. Mm-hmm. Not only because the story was really good and really were really well wit- written, damn it, um, but the cast was really good. Yeah. Like, I really love those uh, kind of anthology books that have different narrators, mm-hmm. um, especially when they're people that you know well. And the book just like is laid out in the way that it would be perfect for a movie, but instead they just decided to make something else. Yeah. Like something that wasn't good at all. Yeah. <laughs> With Brad Pitt for some reason. Because he bought it. That's right. I forgot about that. He won a bidding war with Leo. <laughs> so it could have been worse. Maybe. I mean, it could have been, but I don't know. It could have been just as bad. <laughs> Probably not better. Yeah. I don't know. I might check this out. I mean, I don't know. I'm kind of torn because I have zero interest in Bigfoot, but yeah, it's Max Brooks. So right. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe I'll I'll wait for Kevin to buy it and then borrow it from him. <laughs> sure. That seems like a good method. There you go. I must admit, I can't explain any of these dogs racing through my brain. It's true. Baby, I'm howling for you. 
All right, so a popular film from 2017, I think. Maybe last year. No idea. Uh, called Tigers Are Not Afraid, the Spanish film from filmmaker Issa Lopez. Uh, apparently, she is now working with one Guillermo del Toro. Cocksucker. Yeah, cocksucker. Uh, for a werewolf western. Okay. <laughs> I'm listening. Uh, Lopez says, we're preparing a werewolf movie. It's a werewolf western. I'm super excited. Uh, she goes on to say... This <laughs> <laughs> is a hell of a concept. <laughs> um, this is in an interview with Entertainment Weekly. She goes on to say, Guillermo has the script. I wrote it. He loves it. And we're gearing up to make it. The thing is, there's not really that many brilliant, brilliant werewolf movies. An American Werewolf in London is the big one. I think it's time to revisit. It's about revisiting the essence of what it is, which is trying to contain the beast in you. It's as simple as that, and I think that's perfectly relatable with humankind, and particularly the moment that we're living in. Sure. Yeah. On a side note, uh, Max Landis's American Werewolf in London reboot is not happening. For obvious reasons. Yeah. He's a sexual predator. That's that's the big one, yeah. <laughs> Um, I mean, okay. Uh, I'll I'll bite. I'm just picturing a, like a wolf wolf man in a cowboy hat. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> there it's like standing in a dirt street, just like <laughs> draw. You know, I feel like oh, what if it's just two guys and when he's just like draw, and then he just turns into a werewolf. <laughs> You're making this worse. <laughs> You're making me less interested. <laughs> Why? That sounds awesome. But then what if the other guy has a silver bullet? Oh, no. God, I hate you. <laughs> um, she's right. There are not... We've talked about this before. Werewolf movies are inherently hard to make. You have to have... Um, a creature design, um, and a good story to go along with it, and and money to do it, which is not easy to find nowadays. So, see, like a really well, yeah, everyone just wants the CGI. Yeah, I mean that's why ultimately like, why why Rick Baker quit the business. Rick Baker, who developed the um the special effects for American Werewolf in London quit the business because Universal Studios CGI'd over his work on The Wolfman. You don't CGI over Rick fucking Baker. No, 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 no. You do not touch Rick Baker's work. Rick, Baker, Rick Baker's work is perfect, as is. Um, but they CGI'd over it. So, fuck them. That's like painting over the Mona Lisa. Like, you just don't do that. Yeah. Although Mona Lisa is an overrated piece, piece of, of shit. shit. Yeah. She, she looks, looks like, like a garbage pail kid. <laughs> I was going to say she looks like uncooked bread. <laughs> With a smile like she's hiding a dick. <laughs> oh, so good. Um, what the fuck is this garbage? <laughs> um, okay, I lost my train of thought. <laughs> 
But no. We were talking about how Mona Lisa is a piece of shit. Right. <laughs> no, but yeah, Rick Baker, like probably one of the most influential people in spe- special effects since like um, uh, uh, fucking Savini? No. Damn it. I can't remember his name. <laughs> <clears throat> Dick Smith. Okay. I wonder if I picked up on the mics. I, I, I appreciate the effort, I guess. <laughs> um, and, uh, yeah, I just did it. But anyway, there are uh, there is a shortage of good werewolf movies, ones that combine a good story along with good creature effects. Um, it's hard to find. It's hard to do. So if they can pull this off, especially if it's GDT, then... You know, more power to them. Do we trust GDT to do that? GDT's movies are not short on CGI. I'm not opposed to CGI as long as it's good. If it just looks like cheaply quick, cheap and quick, cheaply and quickly made garbage cartoon, yeah. Then yeah, or on the same front as, as like um, special effects. If it's if it's just like really poorly made. Um, uh, you know, creature effects, then don't even fucking bother. Yeah. Not everything has to look like, um, you know, like uh, like dog soldiers, like an anthropomorphic dog. It doesn't have to look like that. Do something simple like the wolf man. Yeah. Uh, where it's just a wolf man. <laughs> um, well, yeah, I mean, there, there's no hard and fast rule of what werewolves look like. No. I mean, th- I think uh, like uh, werewolves themselves are... Like there are different kinds of werewolves as far as historical go or historical presence goes. There are like different names for them, um, and like uh, you know, depending on the lore. Like if you're talking about like um, you know, ancient European or like Native American, depending on what they're called and where they come from, they might have a different look to them. You know, something like that. Yeah. Um. Which makes me wonder if if it's like a western. I wonder if they'll do like uh, like skinwalkers, like like native, the Native American legends. Yeah, um, could be interesting. Could be. I don't know. I mean, like a lot of people, Del Toro's kind of hit and miss. I will. I put my faith in him that he'll deliver something that's palatable at least. Yeah. So we'll see. I feel like over the years he's made a lot of promises. Well, yeah. yeah, he's one of those people that just like every you know six months seems like he's attached to something new, right. and only half of them come out, if that. Yeah, still waiting on in the mouth of madness. No, mountains of madness. Right. Um, yeah, and scary stories. Granted, he was a producer on that. Um, it was, it was okay. Yeah, saw it again. Oh, did you? Yeah, it just exists in this weird in between of young adults and grown up horror. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if like maybe it would be more geared for like um not so much children, but like maybe like preteens or younger teens. Yeah. Might be more stylized for that. It's like we want to be a hard PG thirteen. It's like I, I don't know it's, what it's that means. <laughs> um yeah, we went to the drive in. And like they only have three screens, and you know they show double features, which is great because you pay ten bucks and see two movies. 
Um, and, uh, but being that there are three screens, the choices were limited. Except for me, the choice is obvious because by pure serendipity, they were playing Terminator and Terminator 2. <laughs> I was like, oh my God, wife, we have to go see that. And she's like, I don't want to watch Terminator. I'm like, you've never seen Terminator. It's like, I don't want to watch a Terminator movie. Or she's like, if it, if it was just one Terminator movie, maybe, but. So I went and saw Scary Movies and Hobbs and Shaw, which is a weird pair. That that's random. Yeah. I wanted to see Hobbs and Shaw. I could care less about seeing, or couldn't care less about seeing um, Scary Stories again, but, you know, that's how the cards fell. Anyway, so, are you are you hype? Uh, I'm intrigued. I'll say that. You know? Yeah, I mean, even if you're not a big Del Toro fan, I think just his name being tied to something kind of perks people's ears up. Yeah. I didn't see Tigers Are Not Afraid, so I can't really speak on Jesse Lopez. I've like I've heard the title. I don't know anything about it. Yeah, same here. I know it got a lot of buzz like on the festival circuit, so. There you go. All right, man. Moving on. Got a devil's haircut in my mind. 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 So, was it a couple years ago? Two, maybe three years ago at Crypticon? I think two. Two? Could be three. We saw a short by Jill. Uh, boy. Jill Six. <laughs> I'm not good with last names because I feel like because people constantly fuck up my last name. Like I feel like this like this need to say people's names correctly. Yeah. And so when I see a complicated name, I don't want to mispronounce it. So it's just like, oh God, what do I do? <laughs> I've never heard it. I don't think I have either. Anyway, but we saw a short by her uh, titled "The Stylist." It um, G- Gavargas Gavargasian. Sure, yeah, that's probably about as good as I would have done. Um, and it starred uh, Najara Townsend, who, of course, was the star of um, "Contracted." And uh, it was did I say it was called "The Stylist"? I don't. You know, you didn't get that far. Okay, it's called "The Stylist." Short film, probably 10-ish minutes yeah. long. Um, and uh, so Jill Six, she's kicking off a uh, Kickstarter campaign to start a feature-length project based on the stylist. Uh, it, it was real good. It was, yeah, it was pretty good. Um, it uh, wasn't so much scary. It, it wasn't like a, like a creep-out horror. It was just more of a mindfuck. Yeah. Um, the synopsis uh, goes, everyone dreams of being someone else. But for Claire, that dream goes from an obsession to a living nightmare. Her job as a hairstylist allows her to move in and out of other people's worlds. But when the, when the right target sits in her chair, she does more than observe the client's life. She ends it and keeps a permanent souvenir. Her lonely life, meticulous method, and shocking secrets are suddenly thrown into turmoil when her regular client, Olivia, asks her to style her hair for her wedding. So, um, yeah, that pretty well covers the short. Um, 
I mean, it's it's slightly different, but the the short kind of followed that theme. Um, from the Kickstarter page says uh, the stylist is my take it mixing tragedy with horror. Claire played in the short by Najara Townsend. Okay, so maybe it won't be played by her in the feature, or at least not at this point. I mean, maybe, maybe not. There's no yeah. Uh, was first inspired by Leatherface of the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, the scariest horror film ever created. Let's yeah. let's pump the brakes. Is, there. is it? Um, uh, think of her as a glamorous version of him. They oh, both... so like Texas Chainsaw Three, right? <laughs> uh, think of her. Oh, sorry. Um, they both wear the skin of others in hopes for an escape from themselves, an attempt to feel what it's like to be someone else. I want to create that tragic monster. Wait, I want to create a tragic monster like him, Candyman, May, and Maniac. See, I think that Maniac is more what I. I mean, yeah, clearly it's Maniac inspiration. Yeah, I, I think yeah. After having seen the short, that's more what I would group it with. Yeah. Um, I don't really see Candyman. I don't. Oh yeah. well, tragic monster. I, 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 I. Oh, that part of it. Yeah. Um, she said a forty-six. $46,500 goal. Um, don't know if that's Canadian or American. Why would it be Canadian? Isn't she Canadian? No, she's from St. Louis. No, Kansas City. But doesn't she live in Canada now? I think she lives in L.A. L.A.? L.A. Think she eats a lot of tacos? And goes on hikes? <laughs> you haven't had tacos here. about tacos in fucking L.A.? Uh, okay. Um, let's see, so there, as Kickstarter does, you have several different perk uh, perks available from ten to ten thousand dollars. Ten dollars bring or gets you a shout out on social media. Two hundred and fifty dollars gets you the na- gets you your name and credits. Six hundred and sixty six dollars. Six six six. See, see what she did. Yeah, I got it. Gets you a haircut from Jill Six. I wonder if she's a trained stylist. She is. She posts hair stuff on Instagram all the time. Is that her like? I think that's her day job. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> um, two thousand. Is that? I wonder if she usually charges that much for a haircut. <laughs> Probably not. Uh, and two thousand uh, dollars gets you in the film to be a featured extra. Her Twitter says Kansas City, Missouri. So I don't know if that's where she's currently residing. But I remember talking to Luke from Luchador. I said, you, you guys know Jill, right? And he's like, yeah. She, and I could swear he said that she was American or is American and moved to Canada. Or maybe it was the other way around. I, I don't really know. but or I, I can't remember. But I guess it's neither here nor there. Uh, if you want to help out the, the project and, you know, get yourself some, some fun little perks, um, head over to kickstarter.com slash projects. Slash the stylist. Do you have to put in this whole thing? Yep. Fuck. Kickstarter.com slash project slash the stylist slash the stylish hyphen or sorry, the stylist a horror feature film with hyphens in between each word. So there's that. Yep. Looks like they're currently just under 20,000. Not bad. And they're what? About 11 days in? Yep. Cool. So the location that. on here is also listed as Kansas City, Missouri. Okay, well, maybe she's in Kansas City then. 
and they they have the short film on here for those of you that haven't seen it and would like to. It's good. It's I mean, the story's interesting and it's shot really well. Mm-hmm. And you know, Nijar, she's America's sweetheart. <laughs> <laughs> haven't done that in a while. <laughs> oh man, the other day we were my wife and I were talking about um <clears throat> Or I should say, my wife was talking about Taylor Swift. My but, wife. My wife, who apparently at one point dated <laughs> Jake Gyllenhaal. And like, I wanted just so badly to talk, start talking about Frank Gyllenhaal, but I knew she wouldn't <laughs> fucking get it. I'm like, God damn it. <laughs> I wish you were Taylor. <laughs> Taylor would have gotten it. <laughs> anyway, so that's that. Yeah, uh, if you got a few shekels laying around, head over to Kickstarter and uh, drop them in the bucket. Check out this segue. Speaking of Kickstarter, we're going to kickstart our creepy clown coverage <laughs> uh, with our last story of horror business here. There's a new documentary coming out about a creepy clown named Wrinkles. Is that a real documentary? It is. Mm. Wrinkles the Clown, which is the name of the documentary and the clown. Uh, it all started with a silent black and white surveillance video uploaded to YouTube that depicted a child sleeping peacefully until a disheveled old man disguised as a clown slid out from beneath her bed. <coughs> Excuse me. Afterward, similar videos started appearing online showing the clown pushing a cart in a parking lot, waving alongside a busy highway, holding balloons in front of a suburban home. The unsettling clips, which immediately went viral, launched Wrinkles the Clown to internet infamy. Soon, cryptic stickers with his eerie visage and a phone number were plastered on telephone poles and in bathrooms all over Florida. Leave of the fucking, fucking course. Fucking Florida. Promising to terrify misbehaving children. Wrinkles is hashtag Florida, man. <laughs> over one million voicemails were left for Wrinkles. So he did all right. Yeah. Uh, this is going to be directed by Emmy-nominated filmmaker Michael Beach Nichols. Never heard of him. Oh, well, he directed Welcome to Leith. Oh, that. Yeah, you know. Uh, Magnolia President Eamon Bowles. That's an unfortunate last name. It's harsh. Said, Michael has concocted an incredibly unsettling film evocative of urban legend classics like Slender Man and the Blair Witch Project. From Pennywise to the Joker, creepy clowns have terrified people for decades. Wrinkles the Clown gives them a reason to fear. Mm -hmm. This will world premiere at Fantastic Fest followed by an October 4th theatrical and VOD release. I mean, I don't know. Apparently he was just like a clown, like a regular clown, and he wasn't making much money because they actually interview him in this documentary. Oh, really? Yeah. And uh, he says, you know, I wasn't making much money as a regular clown, so I decided to give it some edge. Fair enough. And people would hire him to just come scare the shit out of kids. <laughs> <coughs> yeah, fuck it. Get that money. Yeah. I mean, if you got a if you got a thing, if you've got a niche, fucking use it, man. Yeah. If people think you're a f freaky fucking clown, then 
then yeah, do that. I mean, if people are willing to give you money, which obviously people that he got a million, although it says he got a million voicemails, but not all of those were people looking to hire him. There's some where the one guy, one guy is like, I'm going to take a baseball bat to your fucking head. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> yeah. Some people did not find his, uh, his antics amusing. Yeah. Which is something that uh, is very similar to one of the movies we'll be talking about. Yeah. Um, okay. So, yeah. That's, that's uh, Wrinkles. Neat. Check it out this October. All right, guys. That's the end of Horror Business. Yes, it is. Sure is, Taylor. Uh, I don't know. I had a brain fart. I'm going to cut all this out. <laughs> this is terrible. <laughs> you want to talk about some clown movies? I mean, let's, yeah, let's keep the clown train moving. All right. I can't believe I did this again. Again, record or we talked for 15, 20 minutes, maybe. Yep. Didn't record a single fucking thing. Honey, it's been almost six years. I know. I know. You should know how to do this by now. My brain is falling apart, apparently. Okay, so as we said at the top of the episode, this is our salute to Clown Horror Round 2, because we did this before, and I completely forgot about it. <laughs> it wasn't even that long ago. I mean, not to mention we've talked about random clown movies. Yep. Like, not in a specific episode. Right. So, we, I mean, we did... Was that movie just called Clowns? Clown. Not singular. I mean, we just did one not too long ago. Clown Town. Was that what it was with um, Oberst? That was uh, Circus of the Dead. No. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And then was Clown Town the other one we did? Yeah, we did Clown Town. We also did Clown. I'm talking about we did a, a double oh, header. In our, oh, uh, yes. Good. God, we're on the same page. <laughs> anyway. Um, but yes, so on this episode, we're going to be talking about uh, two pretty brand new movies. Um, it Chapter 2, which just came out a couple days ago, and Gags the Clown, which came out a couple months ago or weeks. No, it just came out on the third. Okay, so recently too. And then That's right. You said that the first time <laughs> that we didn't record. Yeah, I don't know if you were just like acting. <laughs> let's do that. Let's do that thing where I pretend I don't know when the movie came out. Because oh. <laughs> I forgot. Kind of like how I forgot to press record. <laughs> God damn it. Anyway, so uh, Taylor, do you just want to start with the same movie? Yeah. All right, let's talk about Gags the Clown. God, kidding me. Get all this on camera. But earlier this week, we had an unwanted visitor. That's right, a clown. 
clown was first spotted one week ago. Images of a mysterious person in a dingy clown suit with black balloons. What can either be seen as an attempt at entertaining citizens or terrorizing them. While some find it to be harmless, good-natured fun, others are troubled. You know he's up to no good. Those original gags photos are just... Creepy. 911, what's your emergency? Yeah, I was just chased up the stairs to my apartment by a clown. That clown's gonna pop like one of those black balloons. Crazy dude, he's been hunting gags all night. Someone with the intent of killing him? That's a one in a million exclusive. That's worldwide news. This is bigger than we thought. And the feed is cut. <sighs> Thank God, something exciting to report on in this city. There's a clown in town, he's waiting around. This whole damn city is clown crazy. <laughs> it's just a guy in a clown suit, right? Okay, so Gags the Clown. Uh, this, as far as I know, and don't quote me on this, hashtag no fact checks. Uh, Hold on, uh, let me record this. <laughs> uh, I believe it started as... Like when they went out and filmed stuff, I think they just kind of did it guerrilla style. And it was it was during like the height of the whole creepy clown sightings. I think this it was like around the time they had just announced it. Right. Or had they just started filming it or something? I feel like Pennywise is really popular at the time. Could be. Yeah. Yeah. But, you know, there was like all those reports of clowns apparently trying to lure kids into the woods and mm -hmm. and so then this kind of popped up and this one clown in green bay wisconsin kept showing up and i think it was just them filming this movie but they did it in secret it wasn't like they had the permits and they didn't go out and tell everybody they were filming so people just would see this clown hanging out and get freaked out by it yeah and then that's kind of what the whole movie is about right yeah i remember us talking about this however long ago yeah and i feel like we were talking about like this like legitimate news coverage mm -hmm. that and you know people were spotting gags al along with other clowns not necessarily in green bay but like you said there's a lot Around of clown clown activity and uh god only knows what crusty bumbles was up to yeah i, I don't even want to think about it <laughs> um and yeah, we we talked about gags and the kind of the news coverage around it. Who and I, I feel like I remember him being like the creepiest of the bunch, He's like the most ominous. Yeah, I mean, the, like the whole look of him is is not your typical happy clown. No. And then you had the one guy who made the whole Facebook page or event or whatever it was, uh, entirely devoted to fighting gags. Right. He just wanted to track down gags. And fight him. It was called Gags Why Ya Bro Fight Me. Right. Which apparently in internet speak, why ya, W-Y-A, means where you at. Yeah. But we don't know that. I mean, we know it now. We know it now. We didn't know that because we're old. Yeah. And white. Uh, yeah. We're not with it. <laughs> we're not hip. <laughs> well, that guy, he just really wanted to fight him, Baldy versus Baldy. <laughs> right. 
but yeah, so this movie kind of just circles around that whole fad, that whole uh, epidemic of clown sightings and, and specifically gags. The, the movie takes place in Green Bay where the sightings actually were. Um, first off, we get this cold open of this group in a parking garage. They're talking about gags. So clearly they had seen them earlier in the night, but they're, now they're trying to get away. But their balloon, their their balloon, their car is full of balloons, black balloons. Uh, Gags a signature, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and they see Gags, and this one guy is like, "Why you bro fight me?" <laughs> and they're like, "You know, Jimmy, just leave him alone. <laughs> He's too scary. It's not worth it." And so they get in the car and they drive away, but there's a car blocking the exit, and so they they. You know, the balloons pop and one guy starts coughing and they'll get out and run away and they see Gags again. And then off screen, Gags apparently kills a guy because you just see this blood splatter on the side of a car. But that's kind of a misnomer. It's kind of a red herring because you don't really see Gags kill anybody else throughout the rest of the movie. No. It kind of makes you think that it's going to be like a slasher or something. But uh, it's not. I don't think that's a spoiler, but mm, I guess not. I mean, it it definitely has more of a supernatural um, edge to it, for sure. As as thing, well, that's not even true. Most of the movie, it's not. It's all that supernatural. I mean, you'll see gags appear and disappear. Yeah, but never on frame. Like a camera will be looking at him or just have him in frame it'll look away and look back and he'll be gone or it'll glitch yeah but that's more later in the movie yeah i suppose that's true so i feel like they're kind of like gently revealing the supernatural element like over over the course of the movie yeah so this is a it's done in a found footage style but it's many, many cameras, some of which you kind of go, where is this camera right now? Mm-hmm. Why is there a camera here? Yeah. Like there's uh, there's a, a news crew. Oh, it's not really a crew. It's two people. It's a reporter and a cameraman. But apparently they have three cameras in their van, all in the dash. Right. There's one right in the middle and one on either side. Uh. And yeah, the, like I said, there's different cameras. There's a lot of security footage. There's cops' body cams. There's people taking selfies. Um, what? Oh, and and the news crew. Yeah, and it's all basically ever since uh, you know found footage or first person horror movies started becoming popular. There was this kind of growing criticism of why are you still filming right there was quite a bit of that in this yeah i mean like you mentioned there were a lot of security cameras which okay yeah places have security cameras but they're all very conveniently placed yeah they always happen to have them like completely like centered in frame yeah same with the body cams yeah it's always centered it's always in frame and it's hd Mm -hmm. i'm like i don't think body cams film in hd I mean, they might, but they they're, might. They're definitely not, you know, keeping a person's face perfectly framed at all times. Yeah. Um. 
Yeah, and you know, there's like like internet like live streaming, um, which is weird because you know when, when you when you do a lot of live streaming like we tend to do, um, you kind of recognize like there, there's an icon in, in one of these videos up in the corner that you just kind of recognize as, as Facebook. It never said it directly, but it's like yeah, that's Facebook. Yeah. Um, and like we know that you don't just like record and then switch over to live streaming. That's right. not how it works. Yeah, you can't do that in Facebook. You can't do that in the camera app. Like right. there's no way to be filming and then go live. Yeah. You're either filming live or you're not filming at all. Yeah. And I feel like first person camera work or first person films. In in a lot of stuff, there's a suspension of disbelief. Just like just roll with the punches. It's like, okay, that's 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 just how they're doing it in this. I'm gonna pretend that I didn't see that, you know, that that kind of stuff. I don't give that kind of leniency to to found footage because I don't like found footage to begin <laughs> with. So it's just like if you can't come up with a reason why somebody would legitimately be filming, then don't do it. <coughs> you all right? Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, I mean, the whole concept is like literally found footage. It's footage that someone found. Mm-hmm. And so it's like if you're watching it and there's not a reason for someone to be filming or a logical, you know, frame or angle or something, then yeah, it doesn't make any sense why this would just be everyday footage. Yeah. It's found footage is supposed to create a, a belief that what you're seeing is real. Yeah, that it actually happened. You know, a regular third-person cinematic film doesn't necessarily create that kind of ambiance. First person does, and it doesn't intentionally. So if you can't create a a cohesive stream of believability, then the whole purpose falls apart. Yeah. So it's like if, yeah, if you can't create a real realistic scenario why somebody would be recording at any given time and doing it as well as you're you're putting on screen then just don't do it yeah either do a cinematic regular movie yeah rewrite it take the rewrite it or take the scene out or just yeah switch to third person like it should have been in the first place like this movie specifically there's a lot of times where i was like you could have just like done both like had it be that third person you know, all seeing eye kind of thing mm-hmm. and then intersplice in found footage if you want like the security camera or the body camera or whatever. Yeah. It didn't have to be just this full length of all these different kinds of cameras all smashed together into a movie. Yeah, you know what this, this concept and the way it was uh, filmed reminded me of was the bay. Yeah. Um, I mean, even down to being kind of almost led by a news reporter. Um Except I feel like the the Bay did it better. Yeah. Granted, this was a much lower budget film, and you kind of give it some leniency based on that. But and you don't get anything like usually with found footage. It's you know you'll get something at the beginning that's like, oh, this footage was shot over a span of X a month, and it was confiscated by the police or whatever. Yeah. And there's not really any lead in as to why this movie is found footage. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's never directly or you know explicitly said this is found footage. It's just the first style, person, yeah. yeah. So 
we've got four different groups in this. Uh, first up, we've got the camera crew. Uh, Heather Dupre is our reporter, played by Lauren Ashley Carter, who people may know from Darling or from, um, uh, what was that other one she was in? She's been in some other stuff. She's been in some things, yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, fuck. If you went to the Grave Plot Film Fest last year, you may remember her from Chomp. Yep. That title doesn't even sound right. Is that not what it's called? I, I swear that's what it was called. Um, yeah, you got her and her cameraman. She was in Jug Face. Oh, she was in um, The Woman. Once Bitten, that's what that was called. Oh, you're right. That is what it was called. Where did I get Chomp from? I have no fucking clue. <coughs> Mind's Eye, she was in that. Yes. Yeah, yes, Cuban B. She's been on some stuff. She's been around. So you've got her and her cameraman. They're news reporters. They're following gags. They're on Gags Watch, which uh, which Heather says sounds like pornography. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And she's not wrong. She's not wrong. And then you've got these police officers who are trying to chase down Gags. Uh, Chrissy and uh, her partner. Um, some guy. Yeah. And then you've got this group of kids who their party was broken up by the cops. So they're one of them has a clown costume. And so they're just like, well, let's go prank some people. It'd be so funny. Yeah. <laughs> fucking a real knee slapper. Yeah. Go and terrorize the town. It's already fucking on edge. Scared. Yeah. <laughs> one guy almost kicks our asses. Yeah. <laughs> that was probably the funniest part. <laughs> This asshole's like hiding behind some dude's car as he's coming out from from wherever. You know, you see like he, you know, turns off the alarm and opens up. Yeah. And he like pops up from behind the car. And this guy's like, you're going to pull this shit today after the day I've had. And starts chasing after him. It's fucking hilarious. Yeah. Because everybody else like freaks out and runs away from him. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, And then our last group is this podcaster named Charles Wright, host of the Right Way podcast, who is this uh, extreme right-wing, Alex Jones type, just... Dickhead. Yeah. <laughs> just, you know, I got, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to fight gags and I'm going to shoot him with my gun because that's my God-given right as American. <clears throat> Incorrect. There's no such thing as a God-given right. No. Especially, you can't say God-given right as an American. Right. If it was, if it was like, the only God-given rights, if there are any, like, is, like, breathing. And pooping. And pooping, yeah. Yeah, like, that's it. Like, just existing is your God-given right. Right. All other rights are assigned to you by your government. Exactly. <laughs> but so, yeah, he decides he's going to dole out some vigilante justice. He's going to go track gags down. And he's going to shoot him in the face. As you do. Because he went to war. He served in... Uh, Viet- Goddamn not. <laughs> it wasn't Vietnam, but it was Desert Storm or something. And so... Give me a beer, bitch! <laughs> so through the found footage style, we see these four people, all or these four groups... Uh, you know, three of them are trying to track down gags. The other one is just 
being shit little kids. And uh, not a lot happens. Not really, no. Like, you'll see gags kind of appear and disappear a couple times, but he doesn't really do anything. He's just being spooky. Yeah. There's a couple times where, like, you'll just see him on camera real quick. It's almost like like the Tyler Durden thing. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's just being creepy. And, uh, and then, you know, there's also people who touch his balloons. That sounded weird. Um <laughs> If the balloon pops, there's this white powder inside, and whoever touches this white powder, they get kind of uh, infected, for lack of a better word. Yeah. And they start just getting really sick, and they get really violent, and uh, shit goes south from there. It's not really ever said what it is. No. I don't know if he was like actually suggesting it or if he was just reading about it, but one of the cops... Said something about bath salts. It's like, I mean, this kind of sounds like bath salts, I guess. Yeah. They're not eating anybody's faces, but. <laughs> I like he's like, it's not even real bath salts. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, like there's so many different groups all involved in the pursuit of gags in one way or another. And it's interesting that. Despite that, not much happens. Yeah. Which is like, okay, I mean, whatever. But there's a lot of the middle of the movie. It just felt like not much was going on. Yeah, it's almost like we're on like a wild goose hunt or something. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say it because I fucking despise people like this, but the whole um, uh, Charles Wright element was probably the most interesting i guess yeah um just because i wanted to see this ultra conservative dickhead <laughs> get his comeuppance but but when you do see the people um you know the the like i said in, in fe- infected isn't the right word but i don't know what to call them but, but the the, the people the people who get you know affected by gags's white powder mm-hmm. that's creepy yeah gags himself doesn't really make an appearance until the end of the movie yeah he like he's on screen for you know 10 seconds at a time at most yeah um but i did like the the whole element with the the people um and then like the ending without trying to give anything away it reminded me a lot of killer clowns from outer space <laughs> Kind of. Yeah, like, it kind of sucks that we can't talk about the ending um, because it didn't make sense. (laughs) Yeah. Like, it didn't really explain a thing. Nope. Um, Not only about the whole movie and, like, even give an inkling about who gags is or why he's there um but the the ending itself has no explanation it's like what the fuck is happening yeah which i mean it wasn't a huge deterrent but like when the movie is over and the credits are rolling it's like but but what just happened yeah (laughs) and then like the very very end that what happens with heather 
I was just like, what the fuck? What was the point of that? Yeah. It's a pretty dope balloon, though. Yeah. <laughs> Wish I had a balloon that looked like me. That'd be awesome. <laughs> so, yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's not bad, but it's a little disappointing. I expected something more. I expected more gags, first of all. I expected gags to actually, like, do something. Mm-hmm. He, like, he didn't even move. No. He just stood there. Yeah. Like, there's times where it looks like he's just, like, a image digitally inserted into the movie. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. I, I don't know the history behind the, the filmmakers uh, on this. I don't know what kind of experience they have. Um, but this seemed very um, first feature film-ish. Yeah. And maybe it was. I, 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 I don't I believe know. it was, but I don't know for um, sure. Which is, that's fine. I mean, that, that this, this, for a first feature, um, was done pretty well. Yeah, I'd say it was pretty strong for a first. Yeah. Um, I mean, just from being, uh, from a critical side, um, yeah, like I said, the like the the whole first person's perspective, you know, explaining why things are being filmed when in all rationality they shouldn't have been, um, and some of the acting was kind of weak. Um, yeah, which I don't know if that was necessarily the director not <coughs> getting what he should have out of the actors, or if the actors were just inexperienced. I, I couldn't say. Yeah, um, but. No, I mean, the story itself was fine. I mean, I, there was no real... Um, I, I didn't really have any, any kind of issue with the story itself. Um, I, I guess I just wish there was more uh, more substance to it. Yeah. Because... How long is it? Do you have a runtime? It's like exactly a, an hour and a half. Really? It's like an hour and 29... 37 or something like that okay because it felt really long and i think a lot of that had to do with the fact that the middle just kind of dragged yeah i've uh i feel like if the middle was a little more um entertaining and and you know something to watch rather than just watching these people kind of essentially chase their tails it would have been a little more interesting and the time would have seemed a little more manageable yeah I mean, and what's interesting is, like, you know, these are the people behind the whole gags thing, you know, but it almost feels like they took an urban legend and made a movie out of it. Yeah. And it it looks like this was actually a short originally, so. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, And I feel like they, they relied on the camera glitches, the camera glitch effects too hard i think like they leaned into that too much yeah there's a lot of that and it wasn't like a lot of it didn't seem like digital issues a lot of it seemed like kind of like analog tracking problems which is just not a thing when you're shooting on an sd card (laughs) right and it wouldn't be like you know when something's happening or you know if a camera gets jostled or something it would just be like at random times Mm mm-hmm um, and it seemed like when gags would kind of pop up, he, he would be causing it. Yeah. Because it would start and stop with him appearing. Yeah. 
yeah, I mean, it's not it's not bad, but I just I expected more from it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know that I necessarily expected more. I would have liked to see more, but as far as my expectation, I don't know. I, didn't, I guess I didn't really have any specific expectations. So in that respect, they were met. I guess. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I said, as far as being a first feature film, um, it was actually done really well. It, like, it looked very professional. It didn't look like it was just this low-budget student film, you know? it was. Hey, it's funny to, like, watch found footage and be like, this looks too good for found footage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it was it was fine. I guess. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> it I, boils down to it. I thought it was fine. I, it's just there's there's like you said, there's a big lull in the middle where they're, they're just kind of like running around looking for gags, and I'm like, this needs to go somewhere. Like we need to keep keep the breadcrumbs coming. Like, yeah. And once the ending started coming up, it's like, oh, okay, so this is getting yeah, interesting. It, it pays off big time. But but does it? <laughs> But in a completely almost detached from the rest of the movie way. Yeah. Because, I mean, it, it starts building up towards the end. It's just like, oh, okay, this is getting interesting now. What, Where's this going? And then it, it builds up to this kind of almost like a big reveal. And then nothing really happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it, it's almost just kind of more of the same that we saw in the rest of the movie. Yeah, it's like there's this big moment, and then it doesn't lead anywhere. Yeah, it's just like, well, what the... F- like, it, it, there's this big buildup, and then, yeah, it moves on. It's just like, but what the fuck was that? Yeah. Like, I want more explanation of what was going on there. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, like I said, I, I don't think it's bad. I think it is entertaining. Um but at the same time, like I said, at the beginning, they lead you to think that it's going to be like a slasher or something, and it, it's not that at all. Yeah. But it does have interesting interesting parts and interesting um, subplots and stuff. So it's it's uh, it's not bad. It's all right. It's all right. Um, as far as a number, I'm thinking... Uh, God damn it. <laughs> it never fucking ends. Uh, I'm thinking six. Um, I think I'll do f- five. Um, that's just, I would, I would give it a six if something was like really stand, like really stood out to me. But everything was just kind of fine. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I could really say all oh, this one thing was really good. It was just all just kind of Yeah, that's all right. Fair enough. So cool. Well that's available on Amazon if you want to check it out. Yeah, only Amazon. Yeah. Uh despite what Bloody Disgusting says. Oh really? Yeah, they were like, available on all VOD platforms. I was like, if by all VOD platforms, you mean only Amazon and that's the only one and no others. 
Yeah, I, uh, every time I need, I know that I need to rent a movie or find it on VOD somewhere. I always go to just watch to find out where I can get it, or you know, where's going to be the cheapest place, or if I can get it for free. Um, and uh, yeah, I pulled that up, and it was only Amazon. Like that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, all right. So next up is the the new uh or the the hot what am i doing i don't know uh I'm muttering i am it's my style though it's my that's why people like me that's why they come back to the show <laughs> to hear me stumble over my words and incoherently ramble on <laughs> um all right the new movie that is on everyone's lips maybe 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 it chapter two. Something happens to you when you leave this town. The farther away, the hazier it all gets. But me, I never left. I remember all of it. We made an oath. I swear. If it isn't dead. If it ever comes back. We'll come back to you. We didn't stop it. Pennywise. The clown. We can't let it happen again. All right, so It Chapter 2 is, of course, the follow-up to uh, 2017 film It by Andy Muschietti, um, obviously adapted from the novel It by Stephen King. Um, now, something that I noticed right off the bat was this was very clearly a... 
it was, it was a, <laughs> this is going to sound dumb. It was a continuation of the film. It was not so much a continuation of the story from the novel. Does that make sense? I mean, I haven't read the novel, so I can't really say. But do, you, do you get what I'm saying? Yeah, I think so. Because there was enough difference between the book and the movie where the movie kind of cr- created its own thing. It followed the story for the most part. Granted, it was moved up 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, uh, you know, the, because of that, there were several cultural changes, um, several different um, just story changes to make it fit the time frame better, which is fine, I guess. I don't think anybody now would have really related to a movie that took place in the 50s. Yeah. Um, and so it it picked up on where, where it had story elements from the book. It picked up and ran with the ending of the move of the original movie or the, the the movie, which created its own narrative. Okay, that's kind of my my initial thoughts after walking out of the theater. <clears throat> um, so whereas the story and even the original miniseries uh, is interwoven, it bounces back and forth between nineteen was it fifty. Six or fifty-seven, and nineteen eighty-four. It would have to be eighty-four if it's fifty-seven. Yeah, sounds right. Um, Forever's going with that. <laughs> Fuck. So okay, oh right. So the story is originally interwoven, but this obviously the chapter, you know, it chapter one and chapter two are childhood years and, and adult years. Um, so this is different than the book, just in that respect. Although there are a lot of flashbacks in this, there are fa- flashbacks, which is something I'll get into. Um, and so we start out in two thousand, I guess it's seventeen, yeah, or is it sixteen? It might be 16. 2016. Starts out during um, Dairy's Canal Days Carnival. Or Canal Festival thing. It, it, it's a, it's a, ta- it's a um, celebration of the town's, I guess, founding and just like a, a, an annual celebration. Um, and there's a carnival going on. And there's a couple uh a, a gay couple um that are walking through the carnival and uh, a local gang of hoodlums follow them out of the carnival and harass them and beat the shit out of them um and beat one definitely more than the other because he's he, he's kind of the one with the mouth he was the one that was kind of trash talking them mm-hmm. and not really putting up with their bullshit Apparently, the the boyfriend had kind of had grown up in Derry, whereas this guy was from a, a different town and was kind of visiting his boyfriend's hometown. 
he gets his ass really kicked and um, ultimately thrown over the bridge and falls into the canal where he starts rushing downstream. His boyfriend chases him down to try and save him. And uh, across the bank, he sees Pennywise picking up his boyfriend. I can't remember this guy's name, but his boyfriend's name is Adrian. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they ever said the other guy's name. They 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 must have because I. I yeah. I don't know. Whatever. <clears throat> Don. His name is Don. Yep. Okay. So Don sees Pennywise across the the other side of the canal, lift Adrian out of the water, and turn into his giant, basically just tooth head, and take a big chomp out of his chest. Um, and that's kind of like a blink and you miss it type thing because as soon as he looks, um, or no, sorry, a bunch of red balloons start floating down from the bridge and just down. How, how many red balloons? 99 approximately. <laughs> and, uh, they start rushing down and he's like having a hard time seeing past the balloons. And then as soon as there's a clearing, he notices Adrian and Pennywise are gone. They've just completely disappeared. And then, so that's that's how this whole story gets kicked off because Mike Hanlon, who never left Derry, um, has apparently been tracking these happenings over the past, well, pretty pretty much the past twenty seven years. Yeah, but more recently, over the last what few months? Yeah, weeks, and, months. Yeah, it's never really. It's not specific but over the, the recent time um and that's when he realizes that he needs to um call in a debt basically from the other losers he starts calling them systematically uh to say hey you know it's back and you need to come home um he calls bill denbro who is now a successful uh novelist and I guess maybe call it aspiring screenwriter um, who's in L.A. All, uh, uh, filming the adaptation of his novel. Um, his wife, Audra, who... I mean, I'm, I'm going to try and spend as little time as possible comparing this to the book until after I've gotten through the synopsis, but Audra had a much more prominent role in the book than she did in this. She was literally only in this scene, and she was never heard from again, which was interesting because she was kind of like Bill's motivation to a point. Hmm. Yeah. Um, it's funny because I feel like a lot of this maybe was, while it's not in the book specifically, like it's not written this way as we saw it on screen, it's funny that like the director... Audra and basically everyone he encounters tell him that they really love the book, but they fucking hate the ending. Yeah, <laughs> it's like I wonder how much of that Stephen King got in his career, and I wonder if that, how much of that was like inspired by him to be to be written into the story. Right. Yeah. 
Um, but I, I don't, and, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but I don't think that was part of the novel. So that was kind of a new thing for the movie. Oh, really? Yeah. Um, and, uh, and so, so there's Bill, um, there's Eddie Kasprak, who is living in New York. He's a risk assessment agent for an insurance company. Um, which is kind of perfect for him because he's, you know, if you saw the first movie, he spends his entire time just kind of analyzing, uh, you know, how to avoid injury or, you know, how to not get sick. Um, a lot of that has to do with his hypochondria and growing up with a uh, Munchausen by proxy mother. <laughs> um, and, uh, let's see, then we've got, um, uh, fucking uh, Stanley, <laughs> Richie Tozier, Richie, um, who has grown up to be uh, <coughs> a successful comedian. Um, we're kind of seeing seeing him do uh, a stand up show in front of a, a large theater audience. Um, yeah, Stanley Uris, who it never really shows exactly what he's done with his life. Um, but he appears to live in a pretty nice apartment. It looks like, um, you know, he's got a wife. Uh, he seems just from visuals seems to have done pretty well for himself. Yeah. They're talking about going on vacation to Bahamas or something. Right. Um, and, uh, Beverly Marsh, who's gone on to become a very successful, More like Beverly Darsh. Got her. <laughs> Uh, who's gone on to become a very successful um, uh, fashion designer. Um, who am I missing? Ben. Right, Ben Hanscom, who uh, went on to become a very successful uh, architect. Right, architect. I don't remember them ever saying. I just know he lost all the weight. Yeah, architect. Living in Nebraska. I don't recall them ever saying that. Um, but yeah, that's kind of something that wasn't really mentioned much in the movie, but it's, it's kind of a big deal in the book that they've all gone on to very successful lives. Like, suspiciously so. <laughs> like, they've all, like, they, you know, they each had their kind of, their, their niche when they were children. And they went on to pursue that and become very successful in all of their given skills and, and careers. Yeah. Which is something that, like I said, they didn't really touch on in this, but it's, it's there. They're all very clearly successful people. Um, and they've all lost memory of what's happened. Um, and that, that's something that kind of confounds all of them. Mike calls them. Uh, and he remembers everything because he never left Derry. But every single one of them, they call and says, you know, you know, whoever, this is Mike. It's Mike who? You know, Mike Hanley from Derry. And that's when it all starts flooding back. Um, and it's later, like, you know, they all have anxiety attacks or Richie throws up or, you know, just they, they start to freak out. And it's explained. It's like that's the fear of remembering what happened here. Um, and they're all called upon to come back to Derry because it has returned. Um, so they, they come back to town 
And they try to kind of recapture what they had as children because they had a very strong bond as the Losers Club that allowed them to defeat it in the first place. Um, and, you know, obviously at the end when they all made that pact to return, none of them were really fully convinced that they actually did defeat it. And obviously it turns out to be correct. Um, so they, in a, in a certain effect, try to recapture their childhoods um, and remember what made them strong as a group um, and what made, made them strong as individuals because they've lost all that. Um, let's see. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk about the stories too much, like, like particulars, because it's brand new. I don't want to blow apart the plot. Yeah. It's also almost three hours long, so. That is. Yeah, it's, that's my number one complaint. It's too fucking long. Granted, there's a lot of story, and I get that, but a lot of it could have been condensed. Yeah, the thing is, you look at the runtime, and you're like, they probably should have cut this into two movies, but when you watch it, there's not really a good place to end. I mean, I suppose if they wanted to make it into two movies, they could come up with an ending and a beginning. And I, I, I wonder how much better they could have consolidated things if they'd made it into two movies using both time timelines like interwoven yeah mm. as, i mean as the story was originally told yeah I, I feel like if they would have told the story that way it would have forced them to condense things it probably still would have been long movies yeah but probably not fucking almost three hours long right hopefully but i mean total runtime of the two movies is what like almost six hours yeah is it like probably five and a quarter, five and a half, something like that? I'm not sure what the first one ran, but yeah. I remember we talked about that little, last episode, episode before, and it was like under two and a half hours or something like that. It was two hours and 26 minutes. Okay, so yeah. <clears throat> um, let's see. Let me think of what's important here. Oh, okay, so Stanley Uris is a wealthy partner in a large accounting firm. So there you go. Oh, okay. Um, I don't know if that was even mentioned in the book. It's been a few years since I've read it, so the, the minute details like that are kind of hazy. <clears throat> um, it does include the ritual of Chud. Yeah, it does. Chud. Um, and... Chud. <laughs> Uh, so there, there are, is a lot of stuff in this that wasn't, that was in the book and not in the original miniseries, which was nice. Um, I like that it did, um, pay tribute to the novel, whereas a lot of things, I, I think probably most prominently, the one that's probably a f the furthest separation from the source material was The Shining. Like that was drastically different than the book. Yeah. Um, and this one stayed pretty close, despite the change in timeline. But there were some pretty prominent um, 
like things that were not in the original or in the book. Like the whole element of the carnival. That wasn't in the book. That whole scene seemed unnecessary too. It kind of did. Um, I don't really want to get into it. Like as far as what happens in that scene. Yeah. But yeah, suffice it to say, you know, we talked about Stephen King wanting or like basically writing a new scene for the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and presumably it was included. But there was any number of scenes that could have been with that scene. Yeah. Because when we even when we talked about it, we didn't know what they didn't say what scene it was. Right. Um, it could have been the ending because the ending was different. Um, it could have been the whole element of the carnival. Um, that scene in the pawn shop that could have been added, which would have kind of would have made sense. Yeah, I bet that was it. It, it may have been, but that seems like such a um, minute and kind of pointless scene to where it's like, why? Why did he feel the need to add that? <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I mean, I can't really geek out about the book and talk about the differences because you you haven't read it, so you you know be all Greek for you, I guess. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So I mean, they the the I mean, if you've seen the miniseries, if you read the book, you know kind of what goes on. They all try to kind of recapture their childhood. They all try to kind of gain strength as a group. The the strength that they had as children. Um, and come together basically as strangers that haven't seen each other in almost 30 years and defeat a monster. That's, that's essentially what the movie is. Um, and, uh, since I know everyone's wondering, there's no gangbang. <laughs> no, the gangbang, well, yeah, the gangbang would have been in the first movie if it was included. Well, yeah, but I mean, people have seen the first one. They know it's not, so I'm letting them know it's not in this one yeah, either. Still no gangbang, guys. Sorry. <coughs> um, so my major complaints, I'll, I'll start out there, was that um, this was a little too polished for me compared to the book. Um, something that made the character so intriguing. Uh, originally, it was because they weren't... Um, they were They were damaged people. And even the miniseries didn't really capture this. The The characters seemed a little too innocent. Whereas in the movie or in the book, they're not really. Um, like Bill, especially. Bill seemed like kind of like this saintly, you know, strong leader. Yeah. And he really, he, he, he wasn't. I mean, that's kind of counter to what he was. Oh, really? Yeah. I mean, he was when he was a kid, but as he grew up, he, he kind of lost that. And, you know, he kind of forced himself to get it back, but building up towards the ending of, of the story, he didn't really have it. And he wasn't a good person. Like, like at one point, um, you know, even though, you know, Beverly's married, but she's basically separated from her husband, you know, at the start of all this. Um, but Bill is still happily married. Yeah. And he and Beverly actually sleep together. Um, just kind of overcome with passion and, you know, the kind of the the evil that's, that's 
kind of taking over the town. Um, and uh, it was a little too um, comedic. There was too much funny stuff. It's like it, the in the story should be anything but funny. Yeah. The comic relief is Richie. The rest of the characters are not funny. <laughs> I think Eddie's the funniest part of this one. See, that's the thing, though. Yeah, Eddie was really funny, funnier than Richie, I think. Yeah. Um, but he's not. He's 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 neurotic and irritating, actually. And he even was in in the miniseries. Yeah. So and and for this, and he was funny when he's a kid, which is different because he was super neurotic and super um, scared of really doing anything. And Stanley was kind of the same way. Um, In this, yeah, he's the funny one, but he really shouldn't have been. (laughs) If you ask me. Yeah, because, I mean, there are times where you're laughing at him. Mm Mm-hmm. But there's also times when he is like, it's a dry humor, but it's still a humor. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's, I guess that that's just kind of my major complaint is the movie was a little too bright and sunny for the, for what it should have been. Mm. Um, and I don't know why they would. I don't know why they did that. I don't know if it was more to, to appeal to the masses I mean, all the people... Make the characters more sympathetic, maybe? Maybe. I don't know if you needed to make them more heroic or what. Because, I don't know. Like, for me, when I read the book, I didn't consider this the heroes, or the, the people uh, heroic. They were just people trying to survive. Well, maybe they wanted them to be more heroic. And that could have been the case, especially because you have... You know, we're, we're kind of we're living in the age of superhero movies. Yeah. So you need to have some like a hero to, and you need to have a centralized villain, too, which was. It's like, is that necessary? Like, is it Sia? I don't fucking know. It's irritating is what it is. <laughs> um, I, shit, I forgot what I was saying. Yeah, it's. I, I think a, a complaint that I made when they were announcing the casting for this was like, um, you know, Beverly was supposed to have grown into a real beautiful woman. That's kind Check. of... Check. Yeah. Um, ben was supposed to have, you know, really gotten himself together, grown into a very handsome man. Grown into every Brazilian soccer player rolled into one, as Richie called <laughs> That's good. But, like, something that, that's, that bugged me when they cast him, and it still bugged me when I was watching the movie, and it bugs me now, was James McAvoy, who's a very handsome guy, playing Bill. And that's kind of counter to what Bill is supposed to have been. Right. Bill, he was supposed to have let himself go. He was supposed to be like a rece- have a like a receding hairline and kind of you know be a middle aged man that just kind of lost the heroic value that he had as a kid. And I feel like having fucking Professor X play him, uh, or the Beast <laughs> play him, uh, it kind of undid that. Yeah. Um, like just from the 
sake of like looking at the kid that played young Bill to James McAvoy, it it's good in that sense because I th- I think they look quite a bit alike. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if, if you know in the book he grows up to be this balding, paunchy middle aged man, then you're swinging a miss. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I mean, as far as like um, as looks go, or you know. Um, physicality there's not much mention of the other characters um at least not nothing that really stands out to me but those three characters their their kind of image was pretty well covered and whereas beverly and ben were pretty well done as far as how they should have appeared relative to the story I, I I think Bill was a kind of a swing and a miss. I like James McAvoy. I think he's a great actor, but I think he was wrong for the role. Yeah. Um, I keep seeing people saying like, "Oh, Bill Hader fucking steals the show," and he, everything he every time he's on screen, he just steals the moment. And I'm like, "Have you guys watched anything other than Saturday Night Live?" Hmm. Like, Bill Hader is great, but he doesn't do anything in this movie that I wouldn't expect from him. Yeah. Like, watch Barry. He's still funny, but he's also very serious and very dark. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of this character reminds me more of his character in Barry than of anything on SNL or anything else he's done. Yeah, I, I've never watched Barry, but I've heard pretty much the same thing that he's it's very uh, comedic, but he's also got kind of a, a a dark an edge. Yeah, yeah. Dark's not the right word. Um, depressing. Yeah, part to him, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, like I said, he he's not. I'm not saying he's he's bad in this, but I just don't understand why people are raving and saying he steals the whole movie mm-hmm. because I I think that he does everything I would expect from Bill Hader. Yeah. I personally, I thought Eddie stole the movie. Eddie was good, for sure. Um, I mean, they, they were all good. They were all That's really true, yeah. good. Um, I felt like Mike was still really underplayed. Mike should have been a much more prominent character in both movies. But even in this, when he was kind of like calling them all back into duty. <laughs> duty. <laughs> uh, he, I feel like he was still kind of undercut as a character. But um, uh, shit, I was going to say something else and now I can't remember what it was. Mm. Oh, uh, Richie. Well, there was something new about that character. I don't want to say what it was, but something... Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you if that was from the book or... Ooh. <laughs> that was interesting. Yeah, I mean, like, I... It wasn't... It it, it wasn't so prominent that it really affected the story. It wasn't right. distracting. Um, It was just new. And it's just like, huh. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um... And, uh, yeah, but I mean, pretty much everybody played their character the way I'd say they should have been played. They're very good at representing themselves, the same kids as adults. Um, the kids did a great job too. Um, something weird though, is that we, they were all digitally de-aged. Yeah. Um, and that's the difficulty of working with child actors it's there until, you know, between the ages of, I'd say like 
maybe 10 if they're a girl, 12 if they're a boy, all all the way to the age of like 16, 17, maybe even 18, they're growing at a rapid pace. Yeah. They're, all their features are changing. Mm-hmm. You know, their facial features are changing. They're growing hair in weird places. <laughs> right. Um, I don't know how much... but Balls are dropping. Yeah. <laughs> Got to digitally re- de-age their balls. <laughs> I shouldn't talk about children's balls. No. <laughs> What's the matter with you? Um, but, uh, I mean, I, I can't remember if it was last episode that I talked about this. Because we were talking about them digitally de-aging the kids. I don't know if it was last episode or the episode before. But Finn Wolfhard, like, I think we've probably seen him in other things more recently um and that guy that kid's a beanpole now he's super tall yeah he's he's lanky um his, his face is not as chubby yeah it's, he's got yeah much more defined features um he's grown up quite a bit um and it's funny that they the, the de-aging they did when it's just a you know a um just uh, uh, the, just their face, whether they're like making reactions or something, or you know, they're, they're doing like facial expressions. It's it's not even noticeable, but it's when they start talking, yeah, or moving around quickly or shouting or anything like that. That's when it becomes apparent. It's like, oh yeah, they I can I can tell that that's CGI, yeah, which is kind of unfortunate um, because they didn't de-age their bodies. <laughs> Uh, I mean, maybe they did a bit when it w- when it was necessary, but they didn't do it all the time. Yeah. So it's like um, I think that was probably the most noticeable with Ben, who was supposed to be this kind of like shorter, chubby kid, and they made him like I don't know if the kid's still chubby or not, um, or maybe less chubby, but they made they you could tell they filled out his cheeks. Mm-hmm. They probably make it made him a little more round, but they didn't shorten his limbs. <laughs> So he looked like kind of like a Mr. Potato Head with like long <laughs> limbs. Um, the I think the person that was least noticeable on, and maybe that's because she was she's a girl, so she was probably through most of her aging already. Was was um, Sophia Lillis? Yes, thank you. Um, I, I feel like that's probably it. They they probably did the least aging on her. Yeah. Um, the kid who played Ben is going to be in the new Are You Afraid of the Dark? Oh really? Yeah. He was in um Goosebumps too. Oh. Um, and even in that he was noticeably older. And that was last year. Um Yeah, but like I said, all the, the kids were great, um, as they were in the first movie. Uh there's much less of them, which I guess to be expected. Um much Less Pennywise. Yeah. Significantly less. I was pretty surprised at how little Pennywise was actually in this. Um, oh, that's something I wanted to mention. You know, I talked about them wanting to make the characters more heroic than they were uh, originally and needing a centralized villain, which is why I think they focus so much on the Pennywise character, whereas in the in the book, he wasn't the focal point. The clown was only something that appeared once in a while. Like it appeared to the losers on a couple of occasions as the clown 
and a, and a couple other scant characters. Um, and the clown kind of became its choice image um, or, or form. But as the story went on, it took a lot of different forms. Um, but in this and in the first movie, they really focused on Pennywise more than it was originally written. I mean, you know why, though, right? Marketing? Oh, sure, yeah. That's what I'm saying. They need a centralized villain. Yeah. Not only to for storytelling, but for marketing. So they can sell images of Pennywise. Yeah. So they can um, sell 14 different Pennywise Funko Pops. Yeah. Um, which is... I'm not complaining, because Pennywise is a good character. Um, but I feel like the the story was kind of suffering a little bit because they were so focused on Pennywise. Yeah. He does take more forms in this than he did in the miniseries, though. Yeah. And that's just... That's because they took parts out from the story. Yeah. Like, um, he does appear as Patrick Hockstetter. Um, he appears as the... the as a zombie. Hmm? As a zombie. Patrick Hockstetter. Yeah, yeah, that was good. That looked, I mean, it was probably CGI, but it looked cool. Yeah. Um, he also was the the um, leper again. The old lady. Right. Um, that, that was fucked up. It was. It wasn't really what I wanted, though. I was kind of disappointed in that part. Because that part of the book is so creepy. Yeah. And that was kind of like, it made it more into like an action scene than it really was. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like I'm spending a lot of time complaining, but it was actually a really good movie. Um, and like I said, if you separate yourself from, I mean, if you're, if you're like me and you've read the book and you've seen the miniseries more times than you can count, you separate, separate yourself from those and consider this as a continuation of the first film, which in itself was different and it's actually very good. Mm-hmm. Um, the storytelling is very solid. There's no real gaps. Everything was very cohesive. You didn't get confused. Like that's something in the book. There are so many flash forwards and flashbacks or not, not really flash forwards necessarily, but flashbacks, um, that it can get confusing. Like you don't know what's going on at, at one given point. Cause maybe the next page, it's suddenly back in 1956, 57, um, and then suddenly it'll jump forward to 1984 again. Mm. Um, this movie, it was very easy to track. Yeah. Um, one part where I did get lost was when Henry Bauer uh, washes up out of the Barrens. Yeah. Or the, the standpipe. That's something I don't understand. In the first movie, even, is why they put the standpipe in the house of Nebolt. Like, cause, cause the standpipe was actually, um, where the sewer entrance was. It just, it seemed like an unnecessary change. Like, I don't know. Yeah, that's kind of weird. I mean, it's, it's whatever, but I don't understand why they changed that. Um, <coughs> something I would have liked to see more of was when they, they crawl down into the sewers and they get into that big room where that, final battle took place in the first movie 
and then they open up this other cover and go deeper, even deeper into the, 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 it's not even the sewers anymore. It's just a cavern cavern. Yeah. Um, that part talking about crawling, like in, in the book, it's like reading it and them talking about crawling into these tight caverns and like not really knowing which direction they're going and just like, it's very claustrophobic. Yeah. sounds like it. Um, and it's, it gives you anxiety to read it. Um, even if you're, you know, not, even if you don't have a visual to go with it, just the feeling and the way it's dictated, it's just like, oh my God, I can't breathe. <laughs> I wish they would have done that. Yeah. Because the, really the only part of that they showed was when they were, they opened up that manhole cover for lack of a better word and they crawled down that tunnel. But that was, like, there was like the one part that they had to squeeze through. Yeah. That, that, was, that was really that was it. it. Yeah. So. I don't know. I just that was a, a part that I always remember about the book, and I wish they would have included that. Um, but anyway, what, what what are your what are your thoughts? I feel like I'm, I'm doing a lot of talking. <laughs> um, I thought it was really good. I don't think it was as good as the first one. I think this one was a lot less creepy, mm. and a lot more kind of uh, actioning action horror, if that's a thing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, yeah, it is long. It moves really well though. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to say it doesn't feel long cause it does feel long, but at the same time it does keep you engaged. It's not, you know, there's no lull. Yeah. Um, it's just at a certain point you're like, man, I'm sitting in this theater a long time. <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, just like I was saying earlier, if you just look at the kids and then look at the adults, uh, the casting is is really good. Like the adults that they cast look a lot like the kids from the first one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I I can remember as you know was talking about that when they made all the casting. Um, you know, Eddie and Richie in particular were really good. Yeah. People, you know, when, when they were doing all the casting and like all like a lot of fan casting was going around, people were left and right saying Jessica Chastain to play Beverly. And I don't think she looks like Sophia Lillis. What? Do you? I mean, I think she looks enough like her. I mean, she's got red hair. I mean, <laughs> I don't, I don't, that's not to say that I could have done any better, but I feel like they really kind of nailed it with most of the cast. Uh, Mike, Mike even. Yeah. Um, and um, yeah, I don't know. I feel like they kind of balked on that. Just, or not so much Bach, but phoned it in, I guess. I think just because Jessica Chastain has a history with Andy Machete, it was people kind of had a uh, right because Mama. Yeah, people just kind of assumed. Yeah. Well, but I thought it, I thought it was really entertaining. Um, I did think it was very funny. Yeah. I, w- I wish it wasn't so funny. Yeah, like I enjoyed it being funny, but at the same time, like. Funny is not the first word you want to hear in a horror movie. Mm-hmm. Especially it, because it's not supposed to be funny. Yeah. It's, it's not a comedy yeah. book. Did get a, a Stephen King and an Annie Muschietti cameo. Was Machine in there? Yeah, when uh, when Eddie went to the um, pharmacy, he was like in the next row over. Oh, I guess I 
Didn't even notice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, Stephen King. Yeah, it does a cameo on screen with the character that was very clearly based on himself. Yeah. I thought that was kind of funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, I liked it. I, but I, I do think the first one is better. Yeah, I agree. Um, whether or not that's because there's um, not so much nostalgia because it hasn't been around that long, but kind of like... A, I don't know. Maybe we're still feeling the effect of the the newness of it. Could be. I don't know. I can't really process my thoughts to represent what I'm talking about. But um, no, yeah. I mean, like me as a Stephen King fan. Um, yeah, this was very well done. Um, to consider it an adaptation of the book. There's a little more of a reach. Yeah. But to consider it a very good follow-up to the first movie, yeah, is is on point. So, um, what did I give the first one? I believe we both gave it nines. Really? There you go. I both give it eights. Okay, uh, I was gonna give it an eight. I don't. I feel like seven's too low. So I'll just. Even though the first one was better, I'm gonna give this one eight. An eight too. I was all ready to give this one an eight because I thought I gave the first one a nine. <laughs> um. But yeah, I guess I guess I'll give it an eight too. Like you said, the, the the first one is better, but I do feel like seven is too low. So yeah. Yeah, it's really good. Um. I mean, obviously, it's it's the end. The story's over, but... Um, um, before we sign off, I want to talk about the couple that was sitting next to me because they were fucking weird. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so the guy shows up first, and he's sitting right next to me, and then, like, the girl shows up, and when she gets there, she's like, I'm so excited! <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's... All right, cool. Good, good for you, buddy. You got a girl that likes horror movies. But then, like, throughout the movie, she's sitting there with her head in her hands, like, covering her eyes. But then, like, the guy is, like, curled up against her. Like, you always see, like, you know, the the cliche woman clutching onto a guy, but it was the guy onto the girl. Mm -hmm. But then he would, like, let go and, like, get on the edge of his seat. And I'm like, what is this? Like, am I on a TV show or something? (laughs) I was like, which one of you actually wants to see this? I don't even know what's going on. It was a little distracting because I'm just like constantly wondering what they're going to do now. Because <laughs> <laughs> it was like she was super excited, but then she was super scared, and then he was scared, but then he was super into it. And I was like, I don't know. Mm. I don't know what you guys are doing. <laughs> that was weird. Yeah. Yeah. I would have thought like they were like characters out of a movie or a TV <laughs> show. It, yeah. It was almost like they were like going through the motions of like, like a director telling someone. Pretend you're watching a horror movie. Right, yeah, yeah. And do all these things. <laughs> like taking an acting class or something. Yeah. <laughs> it was super weird. <laughs> all right, well, that's going to do it for this episode, guys. Um, hope you enjoyed it. We did run a little long. 
Especially because we've probably been doing this for about an hour and a half at this point. <laughs> I kind of expected it to be long just because the movie's so long. Yeah. I, I think we actually did pretty good considering. Yeah. Um, although the first review was a little under half an hour, I think, and we're at an hour 15 right now. So, <laughs> um, anyway, so, uh, cool. We'll be back in two weeks with a brand new episode as you come to expect. Yep. Yep. Uh, Taylor, what are we going to be talking about? We are going to be watching the horror comedy, satanic panic, as well as the new one from Rob zombie three from hell. Yeah. Original plan was to do ready or not. But then they moved the release date up. Yep. Um, and now, it, by the time this episode comes around, it's probably not going to be anymore. Um, so there's that. Yep. I still want to see that, though. Yeah. I mean, I suppose if it's still in the theater, by the time we record, we could switch back. Yeah. I'd kind of rather see that than 3 from hell. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I don't know. We'll make an 11th hour decision. Yeah, we'll see what happens. We'll either be watching Three from Hell or Ready or Not. Yeah. Um, Till then, you can check us out online. Taylor, where where can they find us? They can find us at graveplotpodcast.com. Rate, review, subscribe on your favorite podcast player. Send us an email. Let us know you did. We'll send you some free swag. Uh, Follow us on Facebook and Instagram as graveplotpodcast or on Twitter as grave underscore plot. Check out graveplotfilmfest.com. For the 2020 Grave Plot Film Fest. And if you want to get some exclusive content in exchange for very little scratch, head over to patreon.com slash grave plot podcast. Do it. Yep. Yep. All right, guys. Well, we'll see you next time. Till then, I'm Scary Tony. Nope. You're Scary Tony? I'm Scary Tony. You're scary as fuck. <laughs> I'm Skeletony. <laughs> I am Taylor of Terror. This has been the Grave Plot Podcast, where we're all a little dead inside. <laughs>